Right, because like a bear shows up, it's like, oh, the bear knocks you out, and you wake up in his cave. It's like, that's not what bears <laughs> the, ba- the bear dragged you back, <laughs> just sitting around the fires. So, you're finally awake. <laughs> I need a favor. <laughs> Points to a case of wine. I really like wine, but I don't have thumbs. It would be mead. Mead. It's a bear. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> A talking bear that takes you captive. Yeah, so you can go to his cave and open his mead. <laughs> That's a good way to introduce some new people to D&D. Yeah. Like, just strap on in, bud, because it's getting weirder from here. <laughs> Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your weekly Dungeons & Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Milton. And we'll be hanging out with you for the next hour to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This week, we're taking a look at the Monk Ranger Multiclass... And then later on, Gabblenoids Part 2, The Gabblin. So pull up a chair and stick around. Okay, I, re- I regret The Gabblin, and that was Oh, good. I did. I'm so no, sorry. I, I thought it was great. I'd say keep it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd regret it, and that's why I wanted you to do it. <laughs> Uh, all right, so our two classes this week are the monk and the ranger. Uh, a monk is a martial character that uh, really benefits from using its bonus actions to do a bunch of monk type things, like being it's like the the kung fu fighter of of cheesy eighties movies. Uh, and then the ranger is like a uh, lone wolf type out in the woods, the the Aragon of the the D and D world, and. Uh, they get some spell casting. Uh, both of these multi-classing requirements are dexterity and wisdom. So normally that's a really big problem when you've got two classes that require two different things, or like two things, multi-class requirements. But uh, both of them ended up being dex and wisdom, so pretty easy. Got some nice stat overlay. Um, but uh, first thoughts, Will? I agree. Uh, the multi-stat always made both of these classes a little bit tough to interface with. But they overlap very well on the stats. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential, especially with something like the Kensai, because the Ranger is definitely your more weapon-focused type type of guy, where the Monk explicitly isn't unless you go for that. Right. So I think there's a lot of potential here. Yeah, I think I'm I'm personally more worried about the role-playing side of things, just because it's potentially a weird overlap. Kevin? Yeah, I agree completely. I think mechanically there's a lot of decent synergy and potential and way cool ways to go about it uh role play wise though it's i guess it's not hard to justify i just don't see it adding much to the character right uh, because like if you have a monk that you want to be more kind of wilderness and slayer type focused you don't need to multi-class into ranger to get that you just that's who the character is and then same if you have a ranger who's more about inner meditation and Peace or stuff like that. It's, again, you just make the character about it. You don't have to multi-class it. Right. It's one of those um, those multi-classes where I don't feel like you're adding much. Like, you can do it, and it's not a problem, but you're not really getting any flavor out of it. You're just kind of playing the class a specific way. Um, like, right. for example, you know, thinking of, like, a, a ranger that's, like, the, the monster slayer type. You can just play a, a monster slayer ranger. There's a subclass for that. And maybe you want to add in that there's a, a secret order of, of monks who are also about, like, keeping the natural order of things. So they are monster slayers as well. Well, now you've got the monk side 
sure, you know, do whatever subclass makes sense for that. Do whatever subclass makes sense for the ranger, either the the monster slayer or the hunter. And, you know, they're both kind of just there. You're just playing a, a monster slayer ranger, but also that you're attaching a monk to it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, it's not a bad thing I mean, that allows you to be kind of flexible with it. Um, but, uh, you know, adding anything, eh, not really. Right. Um, yeah, in terms of mechanical viability, I think the they, they both could really benefit from <clears throat> kind of dipping right into one or the other. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of combinations, really, but especially the Ranger, because as we've talked about a bunch, we're not the biggest fans of Rangers. Um, Rangers are okay, yeah, but they do really uh, just taper off near the end. Their their higher levels just never feel that worth it. Um, multi-classing it kind of works oddly they're not a bad class there's just nothing that really ever seems to get us too excited um a couple different subclasses added in xanathers that i think put in a lot of nice flavor uh gloom stalker and the uh monster slayer one specifically is it is it called monster slayer i think it is yes <laughs> either way it's close enough um so i mean it's it's not a bad class it just it, you know i think that part of it uh, it does make it uh, fun to multi-class because unlike other classes uh, where you feel like you're missing out at those later levels, as we've discussed before, there's the uh, Will Meldon patented bitterness bounce out of Ranger at high levels, where by the time you're at level 17 in a Ranger, you should probably just take a three-level dip in literally anything else because <laughs> the last three levels, it's like, meh, whatever. You might miss out on a fifth-level spell or something. Not a huge deal. Um, but it is nice that you get a uh, a fighting style. Uh, that's something that can yes. really benefit the monk a lot. There's the um, dueling fighting style where you can add like plus two to any attack that hits as long as you have a one-handed weapon. So a lot of times monks, you have your monk weapon, which let's say it's a, a quarter staff or short sword or literally whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, the monk uh, weapon die increases just with your level starting at d4 which is usually used for your unarmed strikes uh because most weapons do more than 1d4 goes up to 1d6 goes up to 1d8 1d10 i think it caps out at 1d12 uh for your monk weapon so that's just going to keep scaling linearly which is really nice and it d10s the cap yeah okay um still pretty good d10 um yeah d12 is probably a little high but uh you know, you're getting a plus two to all of your damage rolls with that dueling fighting style, and you're giving yourself the ability to get more of those attacks, as you can use your bonus action for an unarmed strike Strike that's also going to get the benefits of that. Right. So, you know, by fifth level, you've got three attacks that are all 1d6. When does it go up to 1d6? Uh, you've got it in front of yeah, you, so I'm going to use you. Fifth, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, it starts at 1d4, and then a fifth 1d6. Right, so... You know, fifth level, you now have two attacks plus your bonus action attack if you want it. That's all 1d6, 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 plus your dexterity, plus two on each of those hits. Right. So, I mean, that's a really good fighting style to take. Yeah. Yeah, this combination is a really good way to just layer on a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because then hunters get hunter's mark. Right. Which is, we'll add 1d6 to every attack. Right. Um, It's a one minute wait is it an hour it is an hour yeah it's an hour concentration uh but when something's reduced to zero you could transfer to something else as a bonus action so then you get those three attacks so then each one becomes 2d6 Mm -hmm. plus two right plus your dex 
Uh, then if say you flurry it blows because you're a monk, so then you get four attacks, right? Basically. Um, and then if you're say Kenzai monk, and say going for the longbow because they can take the longbow as a monk weapon, they get the Kenzai shot. Where you can add a one d four. Yeah, it just has a bonus action. You turn, you can make a ranged attack with Kenzai weapon more deadly. When you do so, any target you heal for ranged attack using a Kenzai weapon takes an extra one d four damage of the weapon's type. So that would take away your dueling benefit. Dueling is specifically okay, yeah. for a one-handed weapon. True. So I yeah. don't think that would work with the, even a short bow. But I mean, no, that's still, you're, you've got some versatility at least. Right. Where if you want to be ranged, you can be ranged and you're not losing a ton and you're still getting a D4 well, out of that's, it. That's the choice. It's, if you want to be ranged, you probably will want to go ranged. Right. And they have the archery thing that you'd want to be besides dueling. So. Yeah. And I, say, I would rather add the 1D4 on as opposed to the um, plus, two? plus two. Yeah. Really? Why is that? I think, I mean, I guess... It's only a 25% chance that it's l- that you're worse off. Hmm, that's a good point. And that point. 75% chance it's the same or better. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but I'm, it does take your bonus action. So you can't flurry of blows with it. That's it. Okay, so yeah. overall the damage would be, on average, higher with doing the um, the dueling fighting yeah, style. Yeah, I guess it would. Because yeah. you'd get, uh, because you get three attacks action. that are plus two, plus two, plus two, compared right. to a single or two attacks that are, you know... That's Plus, true. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So, okay. Um, but, but again, you get the benefit of being ranged, yeah. which usually as a monk is hard to come by unless you're doing the way of the sun soul, which I think we've all decided isn't really the best subclass. I, I'm not in love with it. It lets you just be a monk from 30 feet back. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. It's not very good. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it, flavor wise, I like it, but. Yeah, no, flavor wise, <laughs> it's great. I would love to have those abilities, but as a character that gets to choose what he wants to be <laughs> in this world, I right. would avoid it. Right. Now you're bad at being, well, not bad. You're just as good as any other monk being up close, and you're pretty average at being far away compared to other classes that are great at being far away. Um, I do like the Kenzai overlap, though. I feel like there's a a good amount of that. And also, monks just get, like, a lot of stuff that's just good. You know, with a class that's going to be focusing in dexterity and wisdom, you now don't have to worry about your armor, which is really good. Um, And, you know, it's... Usually not a huge deal because uh, rangers can get medium armor, which you can get all right AC in. Uh, but, you know, again, you're going to be focusing your dexterity, focusing your wisdom. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to be able to get to that 20 AC without sacrificing too much, unless you want to, like, focus in constitution. But that's kind of up to you. Um, but usually medium armor, you're capped out at, uh, uh, what is it, 16 or 17? 17? 15 plus 2. Dex. Studded leather, I think. Studded leather is, is plus I mean, 2. I it's that's sporting, getting really specific, yeah. yeah but. I, I think the highest <clears throat> is 15 plus 2. Right. And unless you're taking the feat Medium Armor Master, which ignores that uh, plus 2 cap, you know, it, that's a feat tax. So I'd rather just stick with being able to be a monk, stay yeah, unarmored. Yeah, unarmored defense. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and with that, there's something that doesn't come up too much. Um, a lot of people don't talk about much, but I think a good benefit of that is, is at no point then are you really hurting you know, with a monk, it, because it, campaigns and stuff, they always seem to end up in situations where the party's captured and right. stripped of all their belongings. Woken up fu- in the middle of a long rest and you had to take off your armor. Right. Monks don't. Yeah. Yeah. And the fighter and the paladin are kind of a little screwed and fighting at maybe 25% where the monk, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, so being able to do that with the, then the ranger where they don't need the armor. Right. Yeah, like we had um, we had that happen in our campaign, not recently, that's months ago at this point, but we were like invited to that fancy dinner and a fight broke out, 
And I like specifically said beforehand, I was like, no, I'm not going to go in my armor. Why would I go to a fancy dinner in armor? (laughs) Then of course, you know, shit went down and it's like, what's your AC? Um, 12. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not as good at being a paladin anymore, but you know, gotta do it. Uh, Good thing you brought your weapons along. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I couldn't just leave Dawn. Yeah. It'd be rude. It was also a lot easier when your sword folds up into a magical realm. Yeah. Carrying a great sword to a party is usually poor taste. <laughs> Imagine know. all the cups you'd knock out, just like kind of like squeezing <laughs> by, like, excuse Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. That was a 950 gold uh, wine decanter. Well, who's going to pay for that? Why did you invite me? You knew I'd bring my sword. No, nobody knows that. You don't invite somebody to the party who like owns the sword and is like, why'd you bring the sword to the party? It's like, oh, I always bring the sword to the party. Well, maybe they should have had a coat check. <laughs> that's a good idea like an adventurer's check for most locations was like you can't just carry like nine axes into the bar please check them at the adventurer's check i love the idea of the barbarian just like searching every crevice of themselves just pulling out another weapon <laughs> all they have on is a loincloth in the bowel like, right? you <laughs> pulls out like a 12 foot long greatsword oh, oh and got yourself a giant like 1200 pounds of rope <laughs> <laughs> well things feel a lot lighter <laughs> takes off his training anklets this is this is so this is totally off topic but i always think about that it's just like well you're you're trudging through the dangerous cave with 900 pounds of supplies on your back and you're ambushed <laughs> roll initiative and start fighting it's like <laughs> i think we've kind of talked about it i don't remember if it was on here but just like the idea of um the thing is when we were starting the out of the abyss like even if we were over encumbered while out of combat the idea of like start combat throw your bag like, yeah that's where like you know 50 pounds of weight is it's just you know get rid of that and so, now you've got your armor and, and whatever and you can fight if you've ever been backpacking you kind of understand that it is a very elaborate setup kind of thing that's fair yes and back in the day like what i'm picturing though is back in the day backpacks were like three times as big four times as heavy and you had to have all these like cast iron pans on the with back like too. zero ergonomics. So like. you're like clanking around the mountain <laughs> right. with a bag the size of your torso and a half, and you're like, "Oh, better throw that off in less than six seconds and charge with my." It's- no, I think you can. If it's just shoulder straps, if you're not dealing with like the hip belt and the sternum strap right. of modern day backpacks, it's just shoulder straps. You're just whoop, stick your arms. No one, obviously, no listeners could see that motion. You guys, he's like doing that. a breaststroke. Basically. Yeah, yeah you just like stick your arms through it. <laughs> it's a hundred pound bag. It's gonna it's fall. Just go, yeah, just fall off, and then you're fine. Right, just leave it at your feet. Now, doing it before trying to make a stealthy attack, though, um, probably sure, not going to work. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's we, besides we, the point. We just kind of hand wave it away, just yeah. sort of abstract. It no, away. I think that's the thing about the. Yeah. Or you have we a hand wave a lot of stuff away. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. Like, who wants to play where you have to worry about how do you take off your backpack quietly? Galatea, roll a Constitution saving throw. Why? You didn't specifically mention that you've peed in the last two weeks. <laughs> you've got a kidney failure. <laughs> Not the game I'm really interested in. Being a DM is glorious. <laughs> How'd you kill your first party? Kidney failure, uh, for one. Other one, alcoholic. So, uh, what is it? What's it called? Liver failure. There's cirrhosis. A- Thank you, cirrhosis. Hey, man, I wasn't supposed to be a doctor. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, that's another thing like oh all your wounds get infected and there's no cleric around (laughs) what do you do uh i guess i die (laughs) 
<laughs> should have bandaged them better and also learned about antiseptic. No, that's the thing. It doesn't work. Like in a medieval style combat setting, those bandages were only to stop bleeding. Everybody right. got infections. Everybody died. Right. But man, their immune systems were probably so strong. So strong. Except <laughs> for the part where they all fucking died. <laughs> Um, back on the Ranger Monk, um, specifically with the armor thing, uh, one thing that's also really nice is you can be a pretty stealthy character with this. Rangers do get a lot of, like, I think in my mind, Rangers I always view as kind of stealthy, like in the same vein as rogues, but with the medium armor, especially the good ones, they're gonna have disadvantage on stealth checks. Uh, so this is actually another way that, you know, at at mid-levels, you're gonna be quickly outpacing your other clunky pan-carrying companions, which is always a benefit. Yeah, and with the stealth rangers get passive out of trace, which, which is, is even awesome better. Part. Yeah, and then I was thinking the um, gloom stalker and mm-hmm. way of the shadow yep. monk. Yeah. yeah, really cool combination. Right? Does that have any alarming overlap? Like, no, actually, I, didn't, I thought so. No, um, yeah, way of the shadow. So you have the shadow arts where you can spend key points to cast darkness, dark vision. Oh, passive out of trace, but so you could get it through that too. I guess that's an overlap silence or minor illusion then their main thing is that shadow step where you could teleport from dim light to dim light or darkness to darkness right shadows basically they also just get that really cool like level or sorry at uh at level three they get dread ambusher um gloom stalker yes the gloom stalker yep yep and uh they increase their walking speed on the first turn of combat and if they take the attack action, they can make an additional weapon attack as part of that action. That does not overlap at all with uh, the extra attack you get at level 5. So you're just getting right. another one of those. Yep. And again, with that dueling, that just makes it even better. Um, yeah. You could even use like Stunning Strike on your very first attack. So you come in, do your Stunning Strike, then you've got advantage on your next three attacks or four if you want to use flurry of blows and you're getting plus two on all of those that's a way to open up combat yeah and i think it also does like an extra 1d8 yeah yeah and the gloom stalker they get the bonus two initiative don't they yep yep with, with your, your wisdom, wisdom modifier yeah then that again. extra attack and then also a third level umbral sight where you get dark vision um if you didn't already have it and then that's the one where if a creature is relying on dark vision to see you you're invisible to them yeah, which, which just, is just so cool. I yeah. mean, it's obviously very situational. I know. It I also it. makes it's so cool. no sense to me, but I love it. <laughs> Who cares? So, you know, it's it's really cool flavor. Yeah, it doesn't really explain how it works, does it? Sometimes it goes into detail, like because of your connection to the shadow and you can mm-hmm. trick the eye knowing how dark vision works. It's just you're adept at evading creatures that rely on dark vision. Yeah, it doesn't like, give any explanation. How the hell does that work? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well in darkness, you are invisible to any creature that relies on dark vision to see you in that darkness. I will say that I, I would leave that up to the player to come up with some good flavor reason for it. Like maybe you have like crafted your clothing to like specifically be camouflaged for dark vision into the dark. Like, okay, you know, that's like something. playing off the fact that they're... In dark vision, there's no color. Right. Or something. Right. So yeah. it's like, you know, now it's a part of their character. It's like, I wear completely gray and I make sure that, you know, my entire body is covered. And it's like, okay, cool. You got something. Or, you know, maybe it's just, I just turn sideways like a uh, Paper Mario and just become 
It's like thin. no, it's like polarized polarized lights. You'd become extremely thin and block all the wavelengths that right. require dark vision. Somebody needs to write up a paper on how dark vision works. <laughs> I mean, it's not that complicated, is it? I don't know. I, I guess it, it could it be. Can't, it gets complicated because obviously there are real life analogs of being able to see in very very little light. Animals that can do it. Right. We have dark vision, night vision goggles and stuff, but none of that works if there's truly no light. Right, dark vision. It doesn't say about there needs to be a little light. It just they, it could work in complete darkness. Right, that's where it gets weird. Hmm. Like, how does it actually work? There's magic rays yeah. that you. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's like echo, it's like yeah. echolocation, but with your eyes. It, sure. Oh, that, that would help explain why there's no color. Yeah. Wait, yeah. echolocation? No, that's that'd be a totally different thing. With your eyes, like lidar. Well, I'm, so lidar, laser. I'm, okay, so your eyes just shoot. You're not lasers. shooting like sound out of your eyes. No, you're right. You're right. You got me. I, I guess I was saying it is similar to, not it is the same as. And use the example that lidar, man. Okay, all right. I'm just maybe I was just given the setups so that you can knock it out of the park, Will. <laughs> so good job. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> all right. So this would be a very alarming thing. You're like the first human to make contact with dwarves or elves or whatever. Turns out they shoot like horrible ionizing radiation. <laughs> That's how they see in the dark. <laughs> Everybody gets cancer like 15 years later. Nobody ever figures out why. I think there'd be a ton of like really good uh, like stories about like, oh, don't go around that area. Like people, you know, get tumors and weird shit growing out of their body. And like Damn. you find out it's just because they've got cancer eyes. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. New I'm campaign. Probably, probably not going to use that one, to be honest. All right, all right. It's, but it's out there. It's free to use. Um, yeah, I, I, um, one of the things about these classes is they do both get extra attack at fifth level. So usually in those cases, you're better off making the decision, which one do you want to go higher in monk or ranger? Um, so unless there's, is there any reason why you would want to go over fifth in both of these? Cause personally, I, I didn't really I, come up with anything. No, I don't think so. I think going to four. <clears throat> It's and, probably going to be fine. So you get your ability score improvement and all that. Right. So high-level monk, low-level ranger, in my opinion, is probably the best. Um, just because monks scale so well linearly. You also mm-hmm. just get a bunch of... You know, you get the fighting style at second level for a ranger. You start to get spell casting pretty early. You're never going to get out of first-level spells. You don't get second level until fifth. But I don't think that's a big deal. I actually think there's a lot of good first-level ranger spells... That are going to let a monk do monk things. Yeah, such as Hunter's Mark, which is really it, all you need. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you Hunter's would have three, three casts of it. Which is fantastic. And then yeah. a couple other, you know, maybe out of you're, combat yeah, ones. Yeah, you that, have three known spells. So right. obviously Hunter's Mark. And I would probably maybe, depending on party composition, take a healing spell. Yeah, maybe. I'd say that party composition entirely yeah. reliant. Um, I would definitely take Fog Cloud. Because that's just such a monk thing to like, you know burst of fog and let's get out of here basically you're you can just have a smoke screen but it's fog it's yeah it's fog what do you what do you want me to say there will (laughs) you're killing me today (laughs) um ensnaring strike could also be again just flavorful yeah i I like zephyr's strike a lot zephyr's strike is really good it could be a little hard to compete with uh hunter's mark because Mm -hmm. it's it's also concentration concentration but yeah that's one that came out in xanathar's and it's Pretty much, you can move while provoking an opportunity attack, right. which is awesome for battlefield movement. That's I would think majority of the time you'd probably really want to go Hunter's Mark, but it's nice to have that. Is that when a bonus? So it's a bonus action to cast. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty good. It doesn't give the 
long-term usefulness that Hunter's Mark does. And as a monk, you can just spend a key point to disengage. That's true. So yeah, yeah, I was gonna, maybe becomes nice. a little bit less useful, right? Um, especially yeah. with how little spells you get to learn. That's I true. would probably pass on. Yeah, it. Th- that's a fair point. There is also the other aspect of it where one of the attacks during that minute, you could give yourself advantage, and if it hits, you could deal an additional one d eight force damage, and then whether you hit or miss, you have an extra thirty feet of movement that turn, right? Which it's a one-time thing for that minute, so it's kind of cool, but I always found that a weird thing with that spell. It almost feels like it should be a separate spell. Yeah, they kind of... They sort of, like, tacked it on there. That spell has always been very strange like that. Yeah. Do rangers get any cantrips? No. No, I guess not. Okay, I didn't yeah, think yeah, so. Half-casters yeah, half-casters do don't yeah. normally. Sorry, I didn't mean to completely, like, stop your train of thought there. No. But, uh, yeah, okay, so, yeah, it's, you know, that's something. Not a big deal. Um, hmm. So, are there any other good, like, subclass combinations? I feel like both the ones that you mentioned, or I guess we've we've mentioned, were, like, the main two that I thought of. Way of the Shadow and Gloomstalker, fantastic, very shadowy ninja type. Uh, and then Kensai and Hunter or Monster Slayer, I think, are pretty good. But I feel like Kensai could probably go with any of the Ranger subclasses. Yeah. I don't think uh, you've got, like, too think, many restrictions No, there. I think Hunter's a good one. Yeah. For... Yeah, even just for the third level ability, the Hunter's Prey, where you get to pick one of those op- options, like Colossus Slayer, would be pretty cool. That's right. one where if the if you hit something that's not at full health, you deal an extra 1d8 damage uh, once per turn, but that's still pretty solid. I honestly, and so it's just another way, option just stacking on that damage. I definitely, guess. yeah. I mean, you just get a ton of the... It's really just a lot of options for damage, right? It's yeah. really kind of so nice. So what were you saying? So you have um, the any... short sword where it's a one d six, and so you're doing. We'll say you flurry of blows. There's four of those. Um, you have hunter's mark, so it's two d six, right? So that's really on eight. each of them. Yeah. So, so if they all hit, it's eight d six plus two of each, so plus eight plus your dex, which we'll just say three, right? So plus sure. which what that? Now I said four. So that'll come out to twelve plus eight, so twenty. <laughs> um, and then one of those will have an d eight. Right. Add it on to a Colossus Slayer. Yeah. I feel like we're forgetting something, but... Yeah, this is, of course, if they all hit, which is... Which is why, again, using Stunning Strike, your very first attack on it, makes that really great. And I think you get Stunning Strike pretty early on. It's like third level or something as a monk? I think Um, it's fifth. Okay, fifth, whatever. So pretty early, that's when you need the extra attack anyways. Um, So, I mean, I... I, You're really going to be... And that's not something that's that limiting. You know, that's saying you can do that anytime you want. And right. if you need to use anything, you're using your key points, which you've got one key point for your stunning strike. If you want to use that, give yourself advantage on all the attacks if they fail the saving throw or your flurry of blows or and your flurry of blows. You can do both two key points. I mean, that's something you can do two times, at least at, at fifth level monk um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of two and a half times because you could do the flurry of blows still. I mean, that's just... A lot. And that's just going to keep on increasing. And I love it. Yeah. It's actually like really one of the better, better combos here. I'll say this. Um, a lot of the times you dodge out of the doubling up on the attacks. I'm not entirely sure that sure that's the best idea here. Okay. There, it really You're talking is. about the fifth level. Yeah. The double attack. Okay. So there, there's definitely reasons not to do that. Um, it's just within the monk itself. All right, so might be a weird break there. Had to take a uh, a dog break. 
But, Will, you were enlightening us on why you might want to go past level 5 in both of these classes. The monk, in addition to scaling winter only, does also get that at 6th level as opposed to 5th or 3rd level. Gets what at 6th? An additional uh, one of its class features. It's also got the stunning strike. Uh, there's stuff there that you might not want to miss, even though it does cost you that overlap. Wait, stunning strike is at 6th level? Fifth level. Fifth. Oh, okay, gotcha. But I'm even past that, one level more, and then you've got extra bonuses that you might want to pursue. Right, I think Monk does really well past fifth level. And I mean, Ranger gets some things, but I just think that makes it more apparent that you want to focus in Monk over Ranger. I would agree with that. I think that's why if you go Ranger, you're going to feel like you're really missing out on a lot of the stuff that makes the Monk just get better and better. For example, the fact that you're not going to have as many key points. Uh, key points become a very, like something that you're using on basically every turn. Uh, after a certain point, I mean, when you're at 10th level as a monk, 10 key points a day is a lot to work with. Um, one it thing is, that's yeah. really small that just came back to mind. If you are going the Kensai monk and you're playing as more of the ranged type, the um, the monk ability at second level where you can just grab something out of the air. Oh, sorry. Third level deflect missile probably becomes a lot more useful. Uh, just if you're like ranged as it is, you're probably getting attacks thrown at you. You know, I actually question whether that's true at all. What do you mean? If you would get attacked at a range more? I'm thinking like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But is it true? I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't. (laughs) And it's not a game where the mechanics can really be measured, but yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, or, or your DM just doesn't throw those at you and they just throw fighters at you because they're like, yeah, no, stop staying far back. I hate you. I feel like that's usually what happens. If there's someone at ranged, it's not so much the DM decides, all right, we're just going to have a ranged battle. Because obviously the PC is going to win against the single ranged entity of that encounter. That's why you make six ranged things. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well then, yeah, it'll probably never come up. It never does, but when it does, it is Deflect funny. missiles. Yeah, that's one of the ones that's super <clears throat> flavorful, but I just... I don't see it used much. It's I definitely don't ever see a reason to catch it and throw it back. I always hate that one because it's like, you know, sure, you can get an attack on your reaction, which is all right, you know, but you're spending a key point just to throw a uh, an arrow back. I don't know. It's like All right, I'll say this. Because it is, if you reduce the damage to zero, you right. do get that option where you're like, this isn't probably not worth it, but it's cool. And that's then you, that's and exactly then you can do it, though. Very safely. Like I, I hate the fact that the only reason people do it, and everybody does it, every time you get the opportunity, I've never seen a monk pass it up. But like, it's only because it's cool. It's not because you're really doing that much damage. It's just like, ah, sweet, I get to do that class feature that isn't that useful. But that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> like the best part of D anD D is doing fun stuff that might not be necessarily the best numerically. Totally fair. I, I can agree with that. Um, uh, I, one thing you mentioned, the Hunter and Colossus Slayer specifically. I think actually the other options you get, though maybe not better, this is tangentially related to what you were saying, probably not better, but they are kind of more monkish. Um, specifically, the Hunter's ability to... Uh, oh, Got to jump to it. I'm never going to find it. Um, one of them is like in, you work really well in crowds of people or crowds of enemies and you can just like, you know, hit multiple of them at once. And I like that for flavor because it it just sticks with that monk idea. Yes. Thank you. Horde breaker. If you want to read that Once on each of your turns, when you make a weapon attack, you can make another attack with the same weapon against a different creature that is within five feet of the original target. 
and within range of your weapon. Right. So as a ranger, I feel like for whatever reason, that one like just doesn't ever it doesn't spark joy for me. Uh, but as a monk, I feel like it just works really well flavorfully. At the end of the day, it is situational compared to Colossus Slayer, which is like going to happen every single turn, basically. Um, so it's like hard to pick it. But if there is a time to pick it, I'd say it's with a monk where you're planning on getting up in between a bunch of people and just going to town. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What? So you've got Colossus Slayer, and then you've got Horde Breaker, and you've got Giant Killer. All cool stuff. Right. Horde Breaker is a legitimately good tactic for breaking a horde. Mm-hmm. Colossus Slayer, you just do that to anything, man. Right. Right. It does, yeah, I always felt like it should have some stipulation of like on a something that's a size category of large. It probably or did, and then they realized that Razor was shit. Giant Killer is is that in Hunter as well? Yeah, and this is the third option for Hunter's Prey. Giant Killer. When a large or larger creature within five feet of you hits or misses you with an attack, you can use a reaction to attack the creature immediately after its attack. Right. Okay. So then, you know, maybe it's just the but, fact that it's called Colossus Slayer that I don't like, but... I it, mean, the idea being that it's a Colossus that's going to take a lot of hits to take down, whereas opposed to... I mean, it's a third level ability. If you're fighting a bunch of goblins, Colossus Slayer's probably not going to come up. Really? Um, it's, it's if they've taken any damage. Yeah, and a, if it's below their hit point maximum, you're probably yeah. going to nuke a decent amount of the goblins. But and, yeah, I mean, you're still going to be colossus slaying some. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to come up. I guess is how I feel. Like even if something has you know twelve HP, it's still probably going to come up after your first attack. So first attack, you know, you do one d six plus two or three. You know, you do nine damage at most. Right. So now next attack you're almost guaranteed that you're going to kill so it. So it'll come up, but that doesn't matter then. It's unnecessary. You're right, yeah. And then in that very specific scenario, you're right. <laughs> I couldn't do the math quick enough to make it necessary. But, but I think that would happen a lot. Right. I think once you get to the point of something having 25 HP, it's going to come up every single combat for everything that you attack. And that is basically everything. Not many things have less than 25 HP, uh, unless you're yeah. pre-fifth level. Yeah, actually, I guess we've kind of seen this in action of Toll the Dead in our current right, campaign. Right, right. Because that's one where if if you're at max health, it's, I think, a D8 mm-hmm. or D10. D8. D8. If they've taken damage, if they're not at max health, then it's a D12. And it's as Will's character. And I feel like you, it's pretty much always you're rolling the D12s. I think I've thrown Sacred Flame out once or twice because I didn't have a opportunity to Toll at 12. But how many how many Tolls have I done? Like a hundred versus like two opportunities where I just did something else. You also, I mean, like not to go into the cleric too much, but you can always do like a bonus action spiritual weapon. Get that attack. Now you did some damage. Toll the dead. Yeah. You know, it's like there's a lot of ways that you can you can spark that. Um, But this is specific to the ranger. So I won't go down that path. Um, But yeah, I mean, any of those abilities where it's like once something has damage, it's like, well, that's really going to happen a lot. Right. You know, so unless you like specifically craft an encounter around something staying at its hit point maximum, you know, I, I like the ones that are like when it's, well, I say like, but that's not true. I, there are some where it's like once you're at half HP or something, or when it's at half HP, then it's like, okay, that, that could make sense. But as a player, you're not going to know that, that right. something's at half HP. So that's not possible. Right. So, yeah. Actually, I do like, the entire series of Hunter anti-crowd. The Horde Breaker, and then there's um, Escape multi- the Horde. Oh, yeah, yeah. Opportunity attacks against you are made with disadvantage. 
Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. all right. It's all right. Though I think multi-attack defense is really cool. I like that one a lot. When a creature hits you with an attack, you gain plus four bonus to AC against all subsequent attacks made by that creature for the rest of your turn. Yeah, that one's Which pretty is a good. good contrast to Escape the Horde or whatever, because if you're getting attacked by a horde of goblins, that is not a concern for you. Right. Right. They're Definitely. not going to hit you again. They're not going to have yeah. multi-attack. Yeah, it goes well with Colossus Slayer. Mm-hmm. Or then Steel Will, which is... You have advantage on saving throws against being frightened. Right. That one's pretty weak. Yeah. <laughs> this entire th- The entire series has the issue of there's cool stuff, but you limit yourself to these weird situations. I'm going to go against that just a little bit to remind you that the point of the ranger is to have a favored enemy. Yeah. So usually you should be taking your pick here based on your favored enemies and what you're encountering. So Yeah, so it, like if your favorite enemy is dragons, Steel Well makes sense because they have right. presence. But so does multi-attack defense. Yes, <laughs> yeah, there's probably some better. I mean, I, mean I, I can't think of any off the top of my head where their specific thing is about fear and frightening. Um, dragons. It's, yeah, yeah, dragons are right, yeah. There's there's some others. I think, a lot, can a vampire? I was going to say, I think undead, a lot of undead things. Yeah, so like I could see it being like a, a thing that you take, but I mean, again, your options here are you know, the multi-attack defense, which, as you said, a dragon, yes, that's probably pretty worthwhile. Though most of the damage from a dragon is coming from its breath attack when that hits. It doesn't matter. Um, escape the Horde, you know, there's definitely times where if your favorite enemy is goblins, it's much better to do Escape the Horde than it would be to have Steel Will. So, really, all of this comes down to, if we take out multi-attack defense, then there's a lot of good reasons to choose it. <laughs> <laughs> if your favorite enemy is goblins, it's... It's just back to the core of why the ranger kind of sucks. It's like, yeah, I fight goblins. Well, today we will be fighting oozes. I'm going home. (laughs) In the ranger's defense, you do start to pick more favorite enemies as you go on. Right. Um, But, you know, the the 11th level stuff is pretty good, but that's like getting pretty far in there to justify for a multi-class. You know, your volley is you can use your action to make a ranged attack against any number of creatures within 10 feet of a point you can see. Within your weapon's range. So you can basically, you know, shoot up into the air and release a volley of arrows that attacks a horde. Which is cool, but I would not... If I was pursuing a ranged monk, I would not be going down the hunter. You know what I would be going for, though, is whirlwind attack. You can use your action to make a melee attack against any number of creatures within five feet of you with a separate roll for each target. That's very monk-like. So I love it. So you're doing that for uh, your... So is that that's your entire action? So you don't get your multi attack, so right. to speak. But then you still get your bonus action to do flurry of blows if you want to. It's pretty cool. That's like an obscene amount of attacks, right? And that's that's exactly what I want from a monk. That's honestly my biggest issue with a monk is that they don't get to use their reaction for attacks more often. <laughs> and you won't be able to flurry of blows. Specifically, says immediately after you take the attack action on your turn, whirlwind is not taking the attack action. You are making attacks because you took the whirlwind action. It's I would really, uh, even like here in D and D and D beyond attack action is actually highlighted as a clickable thing. Yeah. It's capitalized. I mean, it, it's very clear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can still do your other bonus action stuff, and you can still. Well, can you still add a stunning strike to that, or does stunning strike say when you take Stun- the attack action? I think stunning, stunning strikes the whole action. Yeah, no, this is, it burns your action, so you're stuck. Oh, wait, starting at fifth, you can interfere with the flow of key when you hit another creature with a melee weapon attack. Mm. Okay, so, okay, this, so you I would can. count. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you can still do your stunning strike, and you can still do your disengage, or you can do your patient defense. Yeah, that's, that's still good. But you couldn't do yeah. flurry of blows. Heh. All right, I probably, honestly, would not have thought of that if it was in the middle of a game and somebody yeah. brought that ruling to me. 
I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Whirlwind attack, you know, whatever. Just keep going, man. Just yeah. keep attacking everything in the round. Right. <laughs> Kill everything. Who cares? Um, so, you know, again, if there was more reasons to, if there was more front loading of the monk, then I think you could do this like good combination where you go high in ranger a little bit in monk, but it just, you don't get enough with your first few levels of monk. It really starts to shine in those mid levels. So, eh, bit of a bummer, but you think, I think the first few levels of monk are really solid. Why do you say that? Uh, so you get the unarmored defense, you get martial arts. Right away, and everything that right. comes with that, so you can use decks first things and stuff like that. Second level, you get key and so flurry of blows and patient defense, the step of the wind, um, unarmored movement. Third level, you get your first tradition and then deflect missiles. And then for the monastic traditions, like if you take like wave the open hand, that's where if you use flurry of blows, you can knock them prone or do different things like that. Uh, way of the Kenzai, you get your Kenzai weapon, and then you can get right. like, the Kenzai shot or the agile parry. Okay. There's so a, what I will cool say stuff. is that it doesn't if you go 17 levels in ranger then the next 3 levels in monk that's where it doesn't feel that great. As like uh if you do this combination I kind of out of the gate a mid-level ranger gets a ton from a low-level monk. Yeah. But if you're level 17, your martial arts stop being that cool. Right. You probably got a level 3 offhand or plus 3 offhand short sword that just ruins everything for it. <laughs> if we're specifically talking about like mechanics only, you'd probably be better off going rogue for those bonus action abilities compared to limiting yourself to the monks with, you know, the because rogues can just dash, disengage and hide as a bonus action forever. Right. And you're really not going to care too much about that extra attack with a bonus action when it's 1d4. Right. Then so expertise. And, yeah. And yeah. Did we do a ranger rogue yet? I feel like we have. I feel like we have, but it's really just starting to all mesh together. <laughs> um, so, I mean, again, that's speaking purely mechanics. If yeah. you're 17 levels in Ranger and you find a monastery and you join a secret order of monks and you want to go about that, yes, you have sure. something. Yeah. It's really not the. It's not that bad. You get some good options. Um, but at that point, as you said, you're you're pretty solidified as a class by then. Yeah. Okay. I guess now I can take off my armor, which is cool, and you know have my unarmored. Uh, defense as well as the bit of extra movement you get at the first right. couple levels yeah, of monk feet. but i don't Which, think the key points are going to come into play too much yeah I would, I would actually say that it makes sense to start off with three levels of monk or whatever and then move into ranger with the rest of it yeah because they get really similar stuff out of the gate with uh their saving throws being identical oh yeah monk would actually be a decent starting point especially if you don't care about armor right and i think i mean if you can avoid having to wear armor then that's always good I almost never wear armor. Like in a day-to-day basis? Yeah. You're wearing full plate right now. <laughs> that would probably ruin the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> clank, clank, clank. What do you think? <laughs> clank, clank, clank. I just want to make a lot of noise with metal, but that's actually just annoying, so I'll refrain. Yeah, if you want costumes for D&D sessions, your best bet is wizard hats over plate mail. <laughs> <laughs> Much cheaper. Expert advice over here. <laughs> um... Cool. I think that's uh, everything I've got for this we class. We need to come up with a name. Ooh. Remember we're doing that now? We're actually um, committing to it. Uh, uh, really, really manger. terrible names. Yeah, so you have the obvious ones of like Manger or Runk. Yeah. But it's like, those are almost too good. So uh, mine is the Munger. I was going to say 
uh, Where the hell did Runker. you get a U? Runker was uh, R O N K E R. Runker. Runker. There we go. That's what I got. Yeah, or Munger. M O N N G E R. Hmm. That's and you got to really emphasize the double N. Munger. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. Rangonk. <laughs> that wins. There we go. That's it. Rangonk. <laughs> Oh, oh man, all right. Rangonk. Okay. All right. Um <laughs> so that's all we've got for the Rangonk. Um at this point we will turn it over to you the fans. Um if you think there's anything with the Monk Ranger that we might have missed, uh feel free to let us know. Uh best ways to do that are through Twitter. If you're not following us, uh follow us on Twitter. It is monsters underscore multi. And um yeah, subscribe to us wherever you can. Uh, talk to me about D&D stuff wherever you can. And um, yeah, also let's... look for us on Reddit. We always do a Reddit post when we release. Those are a little harder to find. But yeah, on our D&D every week and D&D next every other week. Just oh. how the rules are. Yeah, those darn um, rules. That's yeah, fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we like to hear from people. It's what's just the how the nature of how this podcast is of just being a kind of casual conversation between us. We're absolutely going to miss things. So we like to hear people's thoughts on it, what they like, what they didn't like, what they think we missed, what we should consider, things like that. Right. Like a lot of people have been bringing up the the scout rogue barbarian or barbarian specifically uh, combination that like we didn't talk about at all when we talked about barbarian rogue. And like I've had like three or four people oh, way like, back in like episode. Two? Yeah. Yeah. And I've had okay. like tons of people like mention it to me and they're like, how did you miss that? And I'm like, I don't know. We miss a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like an open conversation format. Yeah, right. It's not an optimization guide. No. In any means. No. So. But you know, that's not to say that we don't love optimization. <laughs> just not in a podcast. Yes. Just engage with us in discussion. We're, yeah. we're open to it. Go for it. All right. Uh, okay. So on to our monster of the week. Or I guess monsters as it's goblins. It's yes. plural. Ah, it's getting too specific here. We all know goblins. Every single campaign seems to start off with some type of goblin fight. They're the dumb little green guys who uh, just cause problems. They're the easy enemy that, uh, you know, gets people into the fight. But what do we really know about goblins? Because after reading Bowles Guide to Monsters... I feel like I didn't know much. Uh, there's a lot more intricacies to their cast system than really is is laid out, as I feel most DMs treat goblins as just that, something to throw at the party to get them interested in the story and move it to something that's a little bit more worthwhile. But there's a lot more to goblins that I feel like we should all really take to heart into consideration as we move forward with our campaigns and our D&D sessions. Like, for example, who do they worship? I can't pronounce its name. Maglubiet? <laughs> Maglubiet. Maglubiet. They're one true god who has basically just decided that goblins and goblinoids are like a lower tier, but is like, yeah, but you're my lower tier. So I love you guys. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Also, to continue the terrible, hard to pronounce names, Maglubiet is the main one. Oh. But they had a bunch of different gods, and one, and Maglubiet's whole thing is he went, he, she, and I don't know, went and conquered all the other goblinoid gods mm-hmm. and brought them under itself. Right. And, and that's why they're all goblinoids. They're all patrons of this 
even though bugbears, hobgoblins, and goblins yeah. are all different races, yes. they all fall under the same thing. He, under this god. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why they're goblinoids. But there's one that survived that they still worship. Kagorbiag. 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 All right. You gotta go Biag. 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 The overseer of all. So, I'm sorry, he, what is he then? Well, he's kind of like a lesser god that Maglubiet allowed to survive. Oh, well, that was or nice of him. to survive it. I don't know. So now, Kurgorbiag is, I think, under Maglubiet. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> the he's entire... the overseer. That's uh, worship is, the master, drives the worshippers to be masters of others. And wielding the whip can they hope to reach to escape its lash and... It's about slavery, basically. He's the okay. god of slavery, essentially. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. like, yeah, we'll keep him around. He seems worthwhile. Yeah. And now the goblins all have that, like, internalized into them. Say they they're yeah. they're very social creatures. And I think that's something that everybody plays up. They're always like, you know, you never, like, find a lone goblin who's like, ah, it's my job to just be a goblin by myself. <laughs> no, that's not very fun. But they have four different uh, casts. One is, at the top, Lashers. Uh, who are literally just like trained in the whip and just slave drivers for the other goblins or towards the other goblins. Uh, the, the goblin nobility. Yes, they're goblin nobility. They they are the beast tamers. They are the ones who are actually trained. They are the smartest of the goblins, which is, you know, something at least. Or just born into the right family. Or yeah, just are they? The right I, I just yeah, got the impression they were the goblin caste system. I mean... <laughs> No, that's that's something that's tells me they haven't actually figured out everyone's skill and appointed them to the process. <laughs> My yeah. PhD is on uh, goblin class mobility. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, okay. So they were born into the right area. Um, they're also the only time that you can be like ascended to it because it doesn't seem like there is much class mobility for goblins. Is if you're a spellcaster, um, which doesn't seem to happen too often. Uh, I think the only time that it's really brought up is if, like, a goblin steals a glance at a hobgoblins that, that's, you know, leading it or ruling it, whatever, its spell book, and it learns a spell. Uh, and it yeah. and even get a fun uh, fun type of goblin out of that that doesn't have a stat block or anything. Yeah, well, hold on. Well, let's circle back to magic, because there's actually a whole little section on it. Oh, I wasn't done yet. No, that's okay. Um, so, whoa. Will. We haven't even finished... The class structure of goblins. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so next there are the hunters after the lashers. Uh, so hunters are the ones who you know, are wolf riders. They go out and actually find game. Um, you know, that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, but what I'm wondering about is if lashers are the ones who actually tame the beast, hunters just like get to reap those benefits they just ride the wolves i feel like that's like the coolest part about being a goblin is that you can ride a wolf but i can't ride a wolf anyone can ride a wolf i mean what anyone well no i mean most people are probably too big right uh, i think about it but yeah so the lashers <laughs> like tame the wolves and then give them to the hunters is my and the hunters have like the relationship like oh i ride you and kill stuff right so the lashers are like the source of discipline in the ranks hmm. that makes sense that makes sense so hunters ones who actually go out they'll be scouts foot soldiers cavalry whatever is necessary um then we have the gatherers who are uh, starting to get into the the cowardly cast the ones that uh normally are the ones that you can just kind of 
you know, make yourself big and go ooga booga booga, and they just run away. Uh, their just really main goal is farming a little bit that the goblins are capable of, uh, checking traps for captured people from the hunters and really just dragging them back. Um, they don't do too much. Uh, it seems like they're, I, I honestly think that it would be kind of cool to throw in some gatherers into like a, a really just like specifying which cast a goblin is in in an encounter with your PCs where you have like the hunters who are the ones who've got their spears and are charging at you. And then you have like gatherers who are kind of like trying to stay to the outside and just throw nets over people. (laughs) I really like the idea of cannon fodder that just throws nets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The most underused weapon in all of D and D. Oh, and the lashers have whips and the lashers have whips. Yes. Goblins really are just whips. Neddington (laughs) incarnate (laughs) just as a society. They're doing so well for themselves. <laughs> Whips Neddington wasn't the strongest man, <laughs> but he was the best. Um, and then lastly, you have the pariahs, the ones that just kind of do the the grunt work, digging mines, cleaning up pig pens, and just whatever jobs people don't want. And they're basically just like kept around to be the butt of every joke, where you know every goblin can feel better about themselves as they can just torment the ones below them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, all through the whole system. There, there is one last thing: the slaves. Um, so since they are the under Ker, <sighs> trying to say its name again. Yes, Kurgor Bayag. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> yes, slavery is a huge part of it. They would generally prefer to capture everything alive instead of kill right enemies. So there's always slaves with enlarged ga- goblin encampments. And those are technically, I guess, the lowest fit. Oh, the slaves are underneath the pariahs, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was actually saying that if there are slaves, the pariahs are the ones who get to supervise them. Right, and they like one. get yeah. to feel like good for a second, because they're like, ha-ha, there's somebody beneath me. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I guess that's when um, goblins are kind of the ultimate thing to throw at a low-level party to get them captured, and then get to kind of play out that adventure of escaping uh, being captured. Right. Because if you're... Have your party fighting goblins, and the goblins are just trying to kill them. It doesn't really fit. It's not what goblins do. Right. Right. So I think that's why it is, um, I won't say important, but can be really nice to throw in, like, the the gatherers in there. Or, you know, just traps in the woods that they step into. Really depends on how you want to do it. Um, But I could see a... uh, That could be a really fun start to a campaign in sort of the, uh, um, the throwing something at them that's too hard to start. But mm-hmm. since it's goblins, everybody's like, oh, yeah, this is our first fight. This is going to be super easy. And then you just throw, like, ten goblins at them where six of them are the hunters. And, you know, normal goblin stuff, they're just doing damage, dishing it out. And you've got four goblins who are just throwing nets. And if they get captured, they get captured. And that's great. Now you've got something to to move on from there. Uh, maybe the goblins even try and, like, specifically disarm them and, like, you know, do everything they can to capture this group. Right. Uh, and, you know, that's a nice time to take it as a DM where you can like let the story happen the way that it just happens. You don't right. have to feel bad about TPKing your party. You're like, okay, you all got captured and that's what should have happened. Right. <laughs> you kind of have to be careful, but you really can just knock your entire party out with goblins. It's like, Oh, everybody drops to zero. You wake up in a cage. Right. That's true. I mean, enemies can do non-lethal damage as well. Yeah. There's, there's no reason that they have to, to kill them specifically. Um, 
I mean, you could even do, they, they knock them out and it's like, okay, you're stable, but down. And then they throw a net over you. And now those goblins are starting to drag you off and your party's like, Hey, they're taking Frank. I just realized, I don't think we've ever, I don't think we've ever done something like that where, uh, an enemy did non-lethal damage to somebody. No, because most of the time it we doesn't make sense. Yeah, or we just haven't been going for the the capture idea. But yeah, this is perfect. It's, it's okay. great for level ones where you're like, oh shit, anything can kill them. Well, now they don't have to die. Huh? There. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost makes it safer to throw goblins at them, uh, so that you're not worried about that first level TPK. Right. Because like a bear shows up, it's like, oh, the bear knocks you out, and you wake up in his cave. It's like that's not what bear. <laughs> the, the bear dragged <laughs> you back, and just sitting around the fires. So. You're finally awake. (laughs) (laughs) I need a favor. (laughs) Points to a case of wine. I really like wine, but I don't have thumbs. It would be mead. Mead. It's a bear. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. (laughs) I like that idea. (laughs) A talking bear that takes you captive. Yeah, so you can go to his cave and open his mead. That's a good way to introduce some new people to D anD. d like just strap on in, bud, because it's getting weirder from here. <laughs> um, there's one part in here that's uh, specifically around the goblin status symbols, and it gives you like a, a table to roll on with d20s that basically like what makes this goblin tribe specifically different about like you know what what status symbol do they have that makes them look cool. Um, and it really gives them like great ideas because some of them are just so like only goblins would care about this. A frog kept in a jar and yep. you know, could just like really flavor that up when they're captured where you see like some goblin who's basically being treated as royalty, which is like a wagon behind him just filled with frogs and jars. <laughs> it's just like, what is so great about him? And you know, you just see that there's goblins who are trying to capture frogs in jars. And, you know, just going from there of just these really dumb things. And I think it's, right. a, it's a great place to start at the very least where you can just come up with anything. Like a goblin who specifically loves just, I don't know, forks. That do just, you know, any, any, the status symbol is forks. Look how many forks they've captured and just like have armor made of forks. <laughs> Entire great. tribe still is eating with its hands. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's this, good. This tribe is very proud of its forks. You know those are for eating. What? <laughs> no, they're for wearing. Show us. <laughs> That'd oh be a great God. way to get free food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Teach goblins table manners. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know that's that's like tons of stuff that we've uh, you know brought up before, where goblins are treated a lot of times. I think it came up with the nilbog, uh, a good portion of it. Um, but they're treated as like really dumb, and they are dumb, but they're also really. They're killer. You know, they're not like uh, just stupid. They're also like ruthless. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes. So like you can really just play up that idea. And I think it's like it's really cool seeing people take their their standard idea of a goblin where it's like, oh, they're just so silly and dumb and just completely smashing that. And just like, you know, you wake up in the goblin encampment and they're just like eating the guts of the friendly NPC who was guiding you through the woods. It's right. like, oh my God, okay, I guess they didn't need that guy. <laughs> and, and stealing his forks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then you get the occasional goblin magic user, which I think is really fun. Booyak, booyak, booyak. Yes, yes, they're always called booyak, which is a generic term for magic for goblin. And the, you use it as a blanket term for everything. Um, and, and it kind of goes in through... A bit, bunch of different types of goblin wizards, I guess. Yeah, it's weird because I feel like this is like ripe for having stat blocks, but they just like 
kind of threw it out there. Yeah, it's saying just that you use a regular goblin, but then they have this feature. Right. Yeah. Like a, a Booyah wielder who just found a piece of magic, like just a magic item. Here's a necklace of fireballs, a circle of blasting, just whatever, something necklace like that. Necklace of fireball. He's terrifying <laughs> yeah, to the goblin. Yeah, some spice to it. Oh, yeah. It's gonna exactly. Be, yeah. It's going to be hilarious, too, because yeah. you know he learned how to use it, but goblins don't care about other goblins. They're not going to be like, oh, man, my friends are all near. It's like, eh, fireball. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a good way to kill your first level party. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, the Booyah caster, that's the one where it said it, like, served under Hobgoblin Wizard and stole a look at its master spellbook. There we go, yeah. And it could somehow manage to interpret the movements and cast a spell, and it gets to cast one randomly determined first-level wizard spell once per day. And there's a lot of first-level wizard spells. Yeah, like and just randomizing it. Right. And then it's intelligence as a spellcasting ability. Which, right. How low is that? Oh, I'm sure it's like minus one or two at the very yeah. least. Um, but, you know, you can throw in things that don't rely on the spellcasting modifier. You know, it, it casts, I think, darkness is first level. I think. I think it's second level. Oh, okay. Then that won't work. Um, but... You know, there's things you can give it. They cast, yeah. uh... Well, I, I don't think it's so much supposed to be beneficial. Like, if you want it to make a goblin that's, like, an actual solid caster, then just homebrew it. Right. I think this is... It's almost more of a joke. Yes. Like, no, it's the right. goblin caster, and it's, like, it's... Um, everyone, like, reveres it and respects him because he, he's mastered magic, and they pers- uh, parade him out in the battle, and he goes through the whole thing of casting a spell. And it's good berry. <laughs> <laughs> But where did the good berries come from? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be that'd be great. Yeah. Um Yeah, and you know, you can there's also just a bunch of spells that like even if they fail, it's still like just something to make it again more interesting. Like yeah. Earth Tremor. That's a first level spell that's going to just be different. Yeah, you're not used to fighting goblins with magic. Right. And then the I think my favorite one, it's just Booyag Booyag Booyag. Um it's basically a goblin sorcerer. With the wild magic mm-hmm. origins, it has the stat block of the mage in the monster manual, which is a decent, decent stat block. Uh, and then it has like dark vision and the nimble escape that goblins get. And then every single time this goblin casts a spell, even a cantrip, it has a wild magic surge. Not that you roll for it, it just happens every single time. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. That's obnoxious as hell, but yeah. I love it. <laughs> is there. Isn't there something for um, on the Wild Magic Search table where you like cast polymorph on yourself? Yep, you like turn yeah. into a sheep. I think, is it? Yeah. Okay, That'd or be... you turn a random person into sheep, something like that. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah. I mean, that's that's again just like so many ways to make goblin fights fun, interesting, and feel fresh. Even mm-hmm. though you've you know everybody has had a goblin fight. Everybody again, maybe not literally every campaign starts with a goblin fight, but it's just something that everybody has seen. I don't think I've ever talked with somebody who's like, never fought a goblin. 20 years playing D&D. Never had a goblin <laughs> fight. You know, so after a while, they're going to get a bit stale where it's like, what do we do to the goblins? You just, you know, kill them. They're just things to kill. No, make them feel fun. Make them feel adventurous. Yeah, yeah and actually the booyag, booyag, booyag can really... Really, really spice things up. Mage oh, yeah. is a challenge rating six. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a ninth level spellcaster. Yeah, so I think um, it has firebolt, light, mage hand, prestidigitation, detect magic, mage armor, magic missile, shield, misty step, suggestion, counterspell, fireball, <laughs> fly. Yeah, like, yeah, goblin. And every single time it comes with a wild surge, even as a one one use of cone of cold. Oh my god! It's yeah. challenge rating six. It's yeah, a mage. yeah, that yeah. makes sense. It's just. That's pretty good. Yeah. I think that'd be 
a very interesting thing to throw at, you know, fifth or sixth level party right. where they're like, oh, it's just goblins. And, you know, you really hype up the Booyah. Like maybe. Yeah, they, they're chanting. Mm-hmm. Booyah, booyah, right, booyah. right, right. And like maybe it starts off with like you just have your party like slice through a couple of goblins who are attacking them. And then like they all just kind of like separate for a second and like start the chant. And then you just have like a one of these Booyahs just like paraded through up <laughs> yeah. to them. And they're just like. What is, it's just a goblin, right? And then it just absolutely wrecks them for yeah. like two rounds until they figure it out. But, uh, that'd be, that'd be good. I want to do this. Booyah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they have a couple other interesting ones. So I don't know if they're particularly worth going into. I'm actually kind of, um, I don't know how I feel about the Booyah whip. It's literally just like, it's a goblin who can dominate other goblins. There's one D three other goblins that slavishly obey it. Yeah. It's been blessed by... Kogorbiak. <laughs> Good job, guys. Thank you. And, you know, that can just be, again, a flavor thing, or you've got a goblin who seems more of like a leader-ish type. Okay, something. Goblins have an int of 10. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> goblins are smarter than my PC. Oh, no. I feel like that's too much. Hmm. Well, I think that just goes to show that, like, we and most other people play them wrong. Yeah, no, or, everybody plays them wrong. Yeah, or they're but not. At the same time, what we are discussing is kind of the quote-unquote, not to sound elitist, right way to play goblins is horrible, mean, violent little things with this cast system. But they also have an int of 10, so they can't be that stupid. they just kind of short-sighted and mean. Yeah. And I think that's... Uh, like, Ruthless, I think, is the number one thing that just you need to keep... That. I would just say mean. They're okay. just mean <laughs> to each other. They're ruthless to everyone. And yeah, I think yeah. that's like the downfall of goblin society was that they're all just such dicks to each other. Right. They never really got anywhere. Yeah. No, actually, that's yeah. a great point. Then They're not trying to help each other. They just continue to berate each other, have this extremely uh, separated caste system where it's like right. very clear that one person is superior to another and they keep everybody in line. And it's not to make the society better. It's to make themselves feel better. Right. Yeah. It's almost like a lot of will shortcomings, honestly. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly. <laughs> like you could probably be doing a lot more, but just, you know, everybody around him has to be berated. So it just, you know, never really advances past that literally a walking goblin <laughs> and then within the greater goblinoids uh the goblins are absolutely at the bottom the goblinoid yes. extended universe yes yeah <laughs> between yeah, goblins bugbears and hobgoblins last time we had goblinoids we talked about hobgoblins who are the leaders and at the top goblins are at the bottom they're constantly subjugated and ruled and bullied by the bugbears and the hobgoblins to do their bidding and they seem to be okay with it because they know that is Megloobliets? I probably butchered that. That one was pretty close. Yeah. Will. Yeah. Megloobliets will. Yeah. To to die and they they know life's short for them, so. Right. And I like that because, I mean, that's something I think people get pretty right here is that goblins treat their lives as expendable, you know, and they can just be cannon fodder, which allows you to, you know, even at those higher levels of uh, five or six or so, if you're fighting one of those CR6 mage goblins, the booyak, 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 then you can still make it fun or at least somewhat difficult because these goblins are just charging at you. And now you have to waste an entire attack action, killing one or two of these things. And, right. um, you know, as long as you find a good pacing for combat, I think that can be really fun. You can make your wizards feel awesome as they're casting AOE spells that are just blowing the area up, but then make them feel terrified as like 10 more goblins just rush in anyways. Right. 
just like keep coming out of the trees like where are they coming from just chanting booyak booyak right. booyak <laughs> it's good I, yeah. I like that a lot yeah yeah and then in terms of the actual stat blocks out there it's nothing special i think there's two i i, I okay i i I, if I if we're wrong, I really want someone to let us know. I, we've all looked through like it's usually like so. There's the Volos chapter on hobgoblins, and then there was like three additional stat blocks right. in Volos. I could not, other than the Nilbog, I could not find anything for goblins. Right. Um. It, it could, it's kind of hard to look that stuff up, but they're not labeled goblins if they have another name or something. For instance, like if they were called just Booyags, mm-hmm. but it, I looked that up too, or they're not there. So as far as I know, I think. It, Outside of spe- very specific things for adventures. Right. Like, I saw something for Lost Minds of Fandelver that was, like, a goblin specific to it. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's not I think really a, what we're looking for. Dragon Heist. Yeah. Had something, too. You so name the was, goblin, you quadruple his health, give him an armor of some sort. It, now you've got a new goblin. Yeah. It's such a vanilla monster that it allows you to put all of the flavors on that you want so you can make a Sunday of destruction for your party. <laughs> I mean, honestly, thinking about it, you... If you really, really felt like spicing up your pure goblin campaign, and this is this is the reason there is no goblin. We're playing purity. goblins. All the NPCs are goblins. You're only fighting goblins. It's because the goblinoids give you that uh, extension. Like kobolds are just kobolds. They right. have some connection to dragons, but they're just kobolds. Goblinoids, if you want a strong goblinoid, you throw a bugbear. If you want right. a martial one, you throw a hobgoblin. If you really hate that, just take the stat blocks from a bugbear and make it call a, a goblin. Yeah, yeah, right. A goblin bear. Yeah. <laughs> or you're just talking about if you want to get real crazy with it, like the stats of a hill giant. Right. To call that a goblin. Yeah. yeah. A, a, a goblin were, giant of sorts. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, were, we were talking about the anime goblin slayer. Yeah. And hobgoblins and that were just big, dumb brutes of goblins. Right, right, so right. Hey, it's, a, it's a hill giant. Stats of Hill Giant. And just keep, there's so many things. It's just like you just steal it and say, "And that's a goblin. That's a yeah. goblin that ate a bunch of goblins, and now he's bigger." It's like, okay, cool, whatever. That's how science works. <laughs> Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's not my. It's not my job to make this work. <laughs> it's my job to make it cool. Fair. <laughs> um, it does go into the layers a little bit. Um, but they weren't particularly interesting in my opinion. It was kind of just like some good flavor. If you wanted to have a, a, do a good job of describing where goblins live. Um, they don't get like layer actions of any type. (laughs) Most people kind of just generally assume what a goblin layer is and seem to get it right. It's like caves, abandoned mines. Exactly. Really crude villages of sorts with like, you know, I don't know, goblins yeah, dancing There's like around. a few main rooms and like here's the slave room <laughs> that's like, and then that's all I got. there's the trash room and right. the sleep over there. It's like, it's right. really special. It's Here's the trash room. Here's the sleep room. You just <laughs> pointed at the same thing twice. <laughs> I love showing people around my apartment. This is the trash room. This is the slave room. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> um, one thing that it does mention though is that like, you know, it's it's been said over and over again. Goblins are cowards, or at least you know a good portion of them are cowards. Uh, so, like, if your party does go into a goblin lair, they're supposed to have a lot of exits that, like, you know, are specifically sized for goblins that they know about. Uh, so that's something that you could definitely, you know, spice up the encounter with. Is that there's just goblins who are just basically, you know, lifting up a rock and just whoosh, just disappearing out into right. uh, an escape tunnel that they have. Yeah. And then I think really the last thing we're not specifically covering here, and we won't, is the Nilbog. Yes. Which we, the I think I was real early, like episode five or six, I want to say, 
is early on in there, yeah. Yeah. We have a Nilbog episode. Yeah. So look that one up, but it's it's a special twist on goblins. They get possessed by a trickster god and the Nilbogs are awesome. I think everybody I think that like loves re- the Nilbog. That retroactively becomes like part zero of our Goblinoid series. It happened oh, first. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we'll do that. Just change the name. Change the name like three times on our episode. So whatever. <laughs> Perfect. Just keep it up. <laughs> But yeah, if you're not familiar with the Nilbog, I would go recommend to look up that episode. Yeah, it's a good one. They're all good ones. We make these podcasts. We're not going to say there's bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> there were some rough ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I think that's all we got then, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks for joining us. See you next week. Next week on Monsters and Multiverse. Join us as we dive into the Bard Wizard and the Corpse Flower from Mordekainen's Tome of Fools. That was beautiful, but it's Mordekainen's. No! Oh! Oh! <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> Just the Mordekainen, and then he had to resing it. <laughs> Jared. Mordekainen's Tome of Fools. I feel nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one? Bard wizard? Corpse Lot and the Bard Wizard. Quick cut this, please end it. <laughs> Large carrion bird, the grocery store. It's not a carrion bird. It's an eagle. No, this is the like, least carrion bird thing ever. They're it's the opposite of carrion birds. A step back. I'm pretty Holy sure they'll fucking be scavenged. Shit, Kevin. Pretty sure eagles scavenge. You don't well. fucking disparage eagles around me, dude. They're, they're the kings of the they're sky. They're efficient and resourceful. They, <laughs> they're fishers. I thought they, they, they eat fish. anything. Yeah. yeah, including dead things. No, they only that eat sound, live things. That doesn't sound right, actually. Well, they eat them once they're dead. But they're they like usually lions. Kill them they're basically sky lions. Sky lions will absolutely eat dead things. No, they won't. Yes, Kevin. they will. If you feed a lion dead things, it will starve. I think my favorite thing about birds of prey. Is that they eat other birds? I think that's really dope. It is pretty fucking just dope. flying down. It's just like the birds are like it's so good that I can just fly because safely I'm so safe up here. There's no predators. <laughs> it's such a baller way to hunt prey, like death from above style. Right? They got their kick ass eyes. My eyes are shit. Yeah, I have no, to wear I fucking can't glasses. See fucking dick. If yeah. I was a bird, I'd be dead. Yeah. <laughs> If you were a bird, you'd have better eyesight. I mean, if I turned into a bird with the same eyesight, I, like, I can't see like three oh, feet in front of me. Right, right. How would a bird wear glasses, man? Well, it'd probably be wearing the window more than anything. <sighs> I could be a woodpecker, though. What? be fine as a woodpecker. Why? Why a woodpecker? Because their prey's really, really close. Oh, right. Like, nah, 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 nah. You also just get to smack your head against a wall over and over yeah. again. So it's like you as a bird, but, <laughs> you know... <laughs> less metaphorical um all right goblins yep